Hello and welcome to this, the 26th episode of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, Angus Ogue-McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I'm a 15-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And here we are for episode 26. What an amazing achievement that is. This is officially the six-month anniversary. It was this day six months ago that the podcast with the wonderful Peter Daly hit and uh, and we started on this magical little journey where we're bringing you these conversations every week. It has been a phenomenal six months, I have to say. I've met with some great friends, uh, some really inspirational people. Um, and I've learned an awful lot about the business and about different people's perspectives and, and how people go about making the work that they make. It's been a really, really interesting journey for us here at Rise Productions, and we've learned an awful lot from it. And uh, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it too. I know that it, you know this thing has taken off pretty well, and you guys are out there and you're listening to it, and, uh, and I'm delighted you're enjoying it uh, as much as you are. So in order for us to keep this all going, we are here for you all to support, promote, and celebrate Irish theatre. Every week we bring you these podcasts free of charge. We've promised that we'll never ever charge for these interviews, but we are looking for you to put your money into Irish theatre and support Irish theatre. What is the best way to do that? Go and buy yourself some tickets. Simple as that. If you feel that maybe ticket prices are beyond you at the moment, but you're interested in maybe supporting in other ways, head on over to one of the crowdsourcing websites like fundit.ie and see what the theatre companies are, are running campaigns over there at the moment. Obviously, we're big fans of the good people down in Kilkenny's Devious Theatre for their production of Night of the Living Dead and they're running a funded campaign over there. Um, but, you know, go and check it out. There's also a, another number of theatre companies over there running campaigns. Great to check them out, great to support them. Donations start from as low as a fiver and you're always getting something in return. It's not money for nothing. Um, you know, there are ways support you can support without having to put your hand in your pocket. Uh, you can go and tell people about this podcast, whether that's in person over a cup of coffee or by sharing the link as a Facebook post or by retweeting the link on Twitter. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes. You can stream it from the fightnight.ie website if you're out and about and you can also access the podcast on radiomade.ie go back and listen to all the other episodes we've put out there's now six months worth there so you, uh, you certainly have enough to choose from uh, and if you can please and we can't stress this one enough leave us a review over on iTunes or even just click to rate us on their five star system it makes such a difference in terms of chart position for us which helps raise our profile and helps us spread the word about all the great work that people are making out there in Irish theatre you can follow us Rise Productions on Facebook we are facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland or you can follow us on Twitter we're at Rise Ireland. So that brings us to this week's guest. And it's a special one for a special occasion for the six-month anniversary. Um, it's a guy who I have such an incredible amount of time for. I've been a massive fan of for a long time. It is the brilliant Frank Laverty, who I'm delighted to say I'm now working with on this production of The House at the Abbey, which I'm just over the moon about. I've been a massive fan of Frank's for many, many years, as you'll hear from the interview. Uh, and just he's just a pleasure to be around, a pleasure to work with, such a great guy. Uh, and such a very, very, very fine actor. Um, so, as usual, I'm not going to rabbit on too much at the start here. I'm going to let you get straight into it. Here he is, the brilliant Frank Laverty. The wonderful Frank Laverty. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is brilliant. Not at all. I'm delighted to be here, Angus. Right. Let us kick off, as we do every week, with the question, where did it all begin? Why did it occur to you to go for a career in the theatre? When did that first become a possibility for you? Well, I grew up in uh, kind of rural Donegal, so it really wasn't much of a possibility, you know, when I was very young. But I remember I went to see um, a, a play in the local theatre uh, that Frankie McCafferty, who's a local actor, um, was in. And it was uh, Ken Burke's Wild Harvest. 
So I was still living in, in Stranorla in Donegal and I uh, went to see this play in Ballet Buffet where the theatre is and you know I didn't even know that, that Frankie was an actor. I knew who Frankie was and that he'd gone off to um, university in Galway and stuff. But suddenly seeing him in this play on stage uh, and, and a great play for lads to see as well because it's about a group of friends um, who live in rural Ireland and, and the story unfolds from there. It's kind of on, on a farm basically. And uh, I was just in awe. You know, I was watching all these guys who were similar age to me, slightly older, but, uh, you know, you know, having having a career in theatre, you know, becoming actors and... and um, I just couldn't, I couldn't get out of my head, you know. So uh, I joined the local Amdram Society straight right. away and uh, was, uh, just took it from there then. You know, I, I stayed there for a few years doing um, uh, lots of uh, amateur plays uh, and went on to the Gaiety School of Acting from there. Right, okay. And what, looking back on it now, that time in, in, along that amateur scene, was it a wonderful time to be able to make your mistakes and learn things and everything, or do you look back and cringe now going, Jesus, I didn't know what I was doing? Not at all, no. I look back with uh, very rose-tinted glasses at it, to be honest, because it was uh, quite a unique situation in the country at the time that uh, you know the fast courses were happening, and one of the local amateur directors um, who... who uh, was a plumber by trade, had given up his trade and, and set this fast course in the theatre at home. So, you know, it uh, he, he bought all, all the books. He, he'd done loads of amateur directing over, over, his, um, uh, over his time in, in with the um, drama circle. But um, he bought all the books. And actually, subsequently, I found out, you know, he bought all the right books because they were the ones that we used in the Gaiety <laughs> School of Acting, like the voice training and all that. So, you know, he took it quite seriously. It effectively was my day job before I ever became an, uh, a professional. Um, so, you know, we used to churn out shows, basically, but, you know, to, to a higher standard, I felt, than the local amateur company. Yeah. Um, but they both worked together. You know, you'd be part of the FOSS course during the day and you'd come in uh, in the evenings maybe to do some rehearsal for an amateur show. You'd be in two or three shows at the same time. Wow. So, yeah, it was a real kind of, um, not quite um, uh, McLearmore and <laughs> Edwards and all that, you know, in, in the fit up days, but a bit, you know, you, you, you kind yeah. of, you know, really cut your teeth on, on it, you know. So then talk to me about moving to the Gaiety. Um, how did that come on your radar and what was it like when you finally got down there? Well, uh, I suppose like loads of people, um, you know, you, you, there was a stepping stone, which was the National Youth Theatre. Right. <clears throat> so, you know, you kind of get encouraged to go for the National Youth Theatre and I did that and got a, a part in, in a play that they were doing that year, uh, directed by Ray Yates and written by John McArdle. And... Uh, it was great fun, and from that then, you know, you, you kind of start mixing with people in Dublin and stuff. So I spent, what, seven, eight weeks in Dublin doing the National Youth Theatre, and uh, suddenly thought, oh, actually, you know, Dublin's nice to be in, and, you know, it's kind of a place that I like to be in. Uh, people were saying, oh, you should go for the Gaiety School, you should go for Trinity and stuff, and um, I went for the Gaiety. I don't know why I didn't approach Trinity at all, but uh, the Gaiety was the hot yeah. kind of potato at the time. Everybody um, wanted to be in there, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I came up and, and auditioned for, for the Gaiety School and got in and suddenly realised I had to um, raise three grand <laughs> to actually do the year. <laughs> but it was the last year in the Gaiety that it was a one-year course. Um, oh, right, okay. So it's that long ago, I'm afraid. And uh, it, um, it was great, though. Really, really intense um, 
you know, 10 months of, of uh, theatre, basically, you know, and just having your, your eyes open to so many different aspects of theatre and having to go and see loads of shows in Dublin and doing intense voice work mm. and intense acting work, you know, um, a real, real big step up from, obviously, anywhere and anything that I'd done before that, so... And when you think back, are there people from your year who are still knocking around, or are there tutors that you had there at the Gaiety who had a, a, a lasting impact on you? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it was, if I say so myself, it was a very um, good year. You know, we kept getting told this is a really, really strong year, and it was. And in fact, you know, when we left there uh, just after graduation, um, five of us ended up on contract in the Abbey. You know, with Gary Hines, who was artistic director at the time. Good Jesus. Yeah. So you know, it wasn't. You know, it was myself and Ashling with Sullivan, Don Witcherly, Stephen Kennedy, uh, Luke Griffin. You know, and we um, we all auditioned separately for a show in the Peacock and uh, got cast individually by an American director. Uh, but out of that, then um, uh, Gary and and Maureen Hughes, the casting director, um, came up with this you know one year contract deal, a bit like the Abbey in the old days again. Yeah. You know, so um, it was it and in a way it was like furthering your your training for another year. Um, you know, we were rehearsing during the day, doing a show at night, you'd be running up and down from one rehearsal room to the other and, you know, just taking whatever parts came. You got a lead role in one show, you got a, a walk-on in the next show, there was no guarantee of anything. Um, but a really, another really good grounding f for the business, you know. Well, it's really interesting because it's something that has come up again and again in these conversations and it's that thing of just the 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 ability to be able to work consistently like that and to kind of keep those stretching those muscles week in week out in terms of development for an actor is, is hugely beneficial and I guess it's what you were having on a smaller scale back in the Foss days and then right, now yeah. taking it up to the National Theatre. Exactly, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the progression was, um, uh, you know, at the time it felt like these were small steps, you know, that you were taking but when I look back on it now, obviously, you know, the difference was huge. Um, I suppose, you know, if, if it's something that you want to do with your life, then you have a professional attitude towards it at whatever level you're, you're, you're working in. Um, so for me personally, I, I, I kind of felt that this was a natural progression, you know, and that, that I should be doing this and that it was my right to be able to do this. <laughs> On the other hand, you know, it's kind of uh, odd that, yes, it does prepare you for a career in the theatre, but it... it, it um, it didn't prepare, doesn't prepare you for the, the times in between when you're not working. Yes. We can't, We thought this was amazing. You know, we were getting a, a full-time regular wage from the Abbey Theatre just after leaving um, drama school. We thought it was going to be like that forever. Yes, you indeed. Know. Man, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. Are there any particular highlights from, from that year? Anything that, that stands out? Uh, oh, God. Uh, there's so many things. We had such a ball there, you know, and Gary treated us so well and gave us such a, a really, really great kind of grounding, as I said. Um, and um, But the one thing that actually really stands out doesn't isn't a show at all. It's a trip that we made to um, uh, Carrow Row in Galway. Because um, it, it was an old Abbey custom for the Abbey players that they all go to the Geltacht. This is um, very true. Yeah. And... Uh, and it had stopped, obviously, you know, a few years previous to that. But uh, she was reintroducing it because we'd just done a show in Irish in the Peacock. Um, so we all got <clears throat> uh, hunted off to, to Galway for, for uh, three weeks. And uh, I don't think there's enough time to tell <laughs> all those stories. But, you know, it's one thing going to the Gaeltacht as, a, as a, a youth or, you know, a teenager. Going as an adult is certainly an experience that, you know, it makes you feel very youthful again. And certainly we behaved like uh, teenagers again, but it was great fun. And we learned loads as well, you know. 
That is absolutely amazing. So, was the, presumably that was your first contact with Gary, because I know you went on to do quite a bit of work with Druid over the years since. That's right. Yeah, yeah. At the end of um, at the end of our one year contract, we kind of uh, you know it overlapped a bit, and we did maybe two or three more shows off contract, uh, and then um, I uh, yeah Gary cast me in a show. Um, that she wanted to do with Druid, and uh, I was you know, over the moon, obviously, um, about that, and, and moved down to Galway, well, to do the show, but, uh, you know, I subsequently kind of stayed for 11 months or something, you mm-hmm. know, I went, I did four um, Druid shows in a row, basically, uh, so I became an honorary Galway citizen, <laughs> and uh, it uh, <clears throat> it also kind of fueled my, my love of Tom Murphy as well, obviously, because he, he, he was uh, in Galway a lot at the time, and we'd done a Tom Murphy play in the Peacock uh, during the one-year contract. So um, Galway was come, be, becoming a really, really kind of interesting place for me. I never thought <clears throat> much about Galway when I lived in Donegal. But uh, more and more it became the place to be. How <coughs> special a director is Gary Hines? And how difficult a director is Gary Hines? Well, she, I, I never had any difficulty with her, I have to say. she uh, we, we got on brilliantly. Um, we had uh, just... A really, really good working relationship, and and still do. Um, uh, I thought she was a genius at the time. You know, she was always pushing, always you know, um, using work and rehearsals uh, in in a kind of groundbreaking way, as far as I was concerned. You know, and you know, yeah, you'd see people would have difficulties with her in the rehearsal room. I kind of always thought it was their fault. <laughs> you know, I was kind of going, you know, you, you have to go with Gary, you know, you have to go with her, you know, on it's her journey. She's she's um she's very insightful and she's got big ideas and and not that that she's um immovable on them yeah. or anything. She's uh, very open as well. But I you know, I just thought uh, she was a great director I, and I, you know, owe her a lot actually because I she um given the one year contract and then all the druid work. Yeah. And gave me a, a, a lead role in a, in a show in Manchester um, in the Royal Exchange, playing Miles and the Gopaline. Um, trusted me with that, you know, which was a huge um, thing as well. So, yeah, I, I, I love Gary. I think she's great. Is it just that she has such high standards for herself and expects everyone to come up to that plate as well? Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and a bit like the, the business in general, you know, once you sign up to do something, you kind of have to give your life to it, you know. So, you, you just come in and and um, yeah, lose let, leave leave everything else outside the door and just give yourself to the to the whole production. And I think if she gets a sniff that you're not quite doing that, then you know maybe she'll push you a little bit harder. But uh, ultimately, it's always for the benefit of the show. I f- I feel you know. So then, how did it shake out then after that time that you know with withdrew and kind of go and show to show to show? Was it then back to Dublin after that? Where where did it take you after that? Yeah, the um, yeah, the, my my time with Druid uh, ended. That that spell with Druid uh, ended because I have been back to do other shows since. Yeah. But that spell ended with uh, a trip to Sydney with at the Black Pig's Dyke, um, which had been a big success in uh, Ireland and London and Toronto. I think they'd been, uh, and someone uh, a mate of mine couldn't couldn't do it. Dave Wilmot wasn't available for it, so I had to go in his place. You know, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so getting to go to, to Sydney for um, two months, I think it was something like that, and and play in a big theatre over there in a in a hit show um, at, during the summertime there uh, and during the Sydney festival was just a lovely way to top off. You know, your kind of uh, end of your your um, year with with Druid, um, and then coming back from there, I remember Gary phoned me about the the job in Manchester on the last morning that we were in Sydney. 
and uh, <clears throat> that, w- that was nice as well to know that I was coming back from Sydney straight to Manchester for another job and yeah that, that show in Manchester I, I sounded like I was homeless for about two years and I actually I was you know I didn't actually have anywhere really that was mine I was moving around in Galway all the time because you know you, you take a room from someone for the, the duration yeah. of a play then you get cast in the next one and they say oh sorry the room's already booked for someone yeah. else so actually I was yeah travelling around quite a bit I had no no fixed abode as they say wow. and, and then- I, re- I remember actually getting a mobile phone and uh, even though I'm a complete Luddite now um, I was one of the first actors with a mobile phone because I had nowhere to live and Gary Hines used to slap me unbelievably about it. I remember she going Laverty with a mobile phone. Jesus, was it the size of a small house? It was, yes, indeed, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was it was my house actually. <laughs> I had nowhere to live, so I had to have this mobile phone. So, talk to me then about the scene at that time. Was it as you look back on it now? Was it an exciting time around Irish theatre at that time? Was it? Do you feel that it was a golden era, or, or how, what was your reflection on it now? Yeah, do you know what? I, I, like. When I when I look at the the listings in the Irish Times now, and you see maybe two or three sometimes, you know, um, and I know that doesn't mean there's only two or three shows on in Dublin, but that's all that are advertising in, in the Irish Times, for example. Um, and I remember there being a good ten, twelve shows plus loads of other fringy stuff that that um, was going all really really good fringe work that was going on at the same time, and. Um, it just seemed to me that there were more theatre companies around. The, you know, it was before the, the Celtic Tiger, as we call it. Um, so rents weren't hugely high and all that. You could get a space easily. And, and people, um, you know, actors were, were more available as well. Uh, you know, I think nowadays everyone has to have maybe another job that they do to survive because everything's so expensive and everything. Mm. But at that time, you didn't. You know, you could actually survive on, on if you were in between jobs, you could survive on benefits and, and be doing rehearsing for free and stuff. And so you were in and out of employment all the time. But there was always, it was a very busy city, I remember. You, you could go and see a show every every night somewhere, yeah. you know, that, that was happening. Um, and now I just think, you know, since since the boom everyone's got phased out a little bit you know everything became more expensive you couldn't hire an office anywhere you can hire, certainly couldn't hire a rehearsal room you know if you're on a, on a shoestring budget um and then with all the cuts of course you know that's kind of flattened so many um companies and 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 theaters itself really now are there people that you were seeing at that time and looking up to going oh my god that's an amazing actor or an amazing director or it seems that you're kind of working with them more often than not rather than going to see <laughs> well them. i suppose yeah i mean we were looking at this the older generation i suppose like you know donald mccann was doing shows at the time so we were in awe of him and john kavanagh and all you know but uh yeah it felt like we were in the mix you know you know uh, we had people like liam cunningham slightly ahead of us, you know, that uh, we, we kind of admired and stuff, and, and um, uh, who, who seemed to be going on to have um, TV and movie career, you know, he was just moving into that area at the time. So, yeah, we were we were kind of fixated with that, you know, kind of going, this is great, you, you can have a, a good theatre career and get your TV and film jobs as well. You know? Right, you've mentioned the TV, so you know I have to bring <laughs> it up. This is where I have a tradition on the podcast of confessing my undying, on my undying love for guests, and I now have to confess my undying love for you, because <laughs> tradition for me and my then-girlfriend, now-wife, was every Sunday evening, uh, get a bottle of white wine, a massive bag, a pick-and-mix from the garage, light the fire, pull the sofa around in front of the fire, and tune into On Home Ground, RTE <laughs> Sunday evenings. We spoke briefly about this with the wonderful Rory Keenan when we had him on. Yeah. What are your recollections of what is, without question, the greatest piece of television of all time? Oh, <laughs> it's... Uh... 
Oh, no, look, you know, it was a great gang of people that were working on it. And I have to say, what a brilliant idea. It was, you know, and, and the timing of it was superb. You know, Croke Park had just been redone and, you know, GAA was hot. And, uh, you know, we and, and also um, people were moving out of Dublin as well, you know, um, and and commuting a lot. So those satellite towns around Dublin were becoming really important in Irish life and, um, and the fact that it was set in Kildare, you know, and, and uh, but yeah, just a stone's throw from Dublin. So you weren't doing a, you weren't doing a, a rural drama, yeah. you know. We were a satellite town, uh, and and with all the kind of um, uh, accoutrements that go along with that, if you like, you know, we didn't have to countrify the thing at all. It was, you know, it had an urban kind of feel to it. Um, but uh, yeah, a sports series, uh, you know, a drama series um, revolving around a, a sport of any sort is really problematic. You know, if you look at any of the um, big movies, international movies, even about football or yeah. rugby or anything, it always looks just that little bit too tame. You know, it's it's impossible. You know, we had a big problem with insurance. We weren't allowed to have free play when we were um, playing the matches and stuff. And, and they bring in these real teams to, to, to play us. And the team, you know, the lads would be all there itching, itching to get playing, and we'd be there yeah. like, you know, lambs to the slaughter, you know, basically. But uh, you know, we'd we'd done a lot of practice. You know, we'd done we we'd been training, you know, uh, for months in advance of the shoot, but we were never allowed to do any free play. It always yeah. had to be set pieces, because it's impossible to film as well, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, it the, the football, I think, was the thing that let it down quite a bit. You know, I think everything that was going on. Story-wise, um, was uh, was quite interesting and hitting all the, the good topics at the time. But the football, I think the football is where we lost the, the core audience. Uh, well, I say core audience, but, you know, there was a certain, like you're saying, you know, you and your girlfriend sat down to watch it. But we had the, t- the football teams in Ireland yeah. were sitting down to watch it. They wanted to see it, you know. And the football couldn't ever match what they experienced themselves every yeah, Sunday morning. Know you know, mean. they probably just played a match that day, come home. And you know, watch on home ground, and you know, it's it was a shame, but I I don't know what else they could have done to be honest. You know, it was it's really really hard, as I said, to to to, to film any kind of sport, team sport like that. Yeah, it's funny you say about the timing of it because it, it does feel that it was kind of right in the crest of that wave where where Gal was becoming sexy for the oh, first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it feels like it kind of it, it caught that moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and certainly, I, I like I was embroiled in, in GAA at the time because. Yeah, I was doing on home ground. I, I narrated um, uh, a sports program called Breaking Ball every Friday that went out on the air every Friday night, um, and I was doing ads for for the the um, fixtures in Croke Park as well. So people used to say, "Oh yeah, there's the voice of GAA," you know, and uh, I, you know, I, I might have been the voice of it, but I hadn't the brain. <laughs> I tell you, you know, it was kind of the heart and soul of the GAA. Maybe. Well, yes, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is still to this day the greatest regret of my career that I never, because I, I, I never finished drama school in time to get out before the show had finished. Sure, yeah. And it is the greatest regret of my career. Not yeah, that I yeah. haven't worked with the Nero, not that I haven't worked with anybody else. <laughs> it's that I never made it onto home ground because I used to remember I, I would be mates with a couple of the lads from the Dolan team, and I used to say to the lads, "Think about it. I'd be able to do what you do, only get paid for it yeah, properly." Yeah. But unfortunately, it never happened. So, moving it along a bit, a couple of years ago you made the decision to relocate to the UK. Mm. Talk to me about the decision-making process behind that move. Well, actually, it's not that uh, far removed from the previous topic. So, On Home Ground was due to do a third year. And uh, we'd done done two two series uh, previous, and we were actually uh, in training 
think we were in training for the third year, and the scripts were coming through. Uh, we had, I had certainly had um, story breakdowns and stuff, you know, that that uh, were going to happen that series, and it got pulled at the last minute, and they went with the clinic instead, which, you know, obviously in retrospect, the clinic was a huge success. Um, uh, much smaller budget because mm-hmm. you know shooting the on home ground had a huge you had to have a huge budget and um, uh, all those outdoor locations and hundreds of extras and all that you know um, so the clinic made sense you know and was and was yet another uh, no another really modern um, uh, drama that uh, that deserved its place rightly so you know but yeah we got we got ditched for the clinic wow. so. I think, you know, then you kind of feel, uh, you know, what, where do you go now and what do you do now? Because uh, although they had, they had taken a few people from On Home Ground and, and um, cast them in the clinic, uh, most of us kind of were, weren't, you know, so we were, were kind of wondering what, what to do. So, you know, yeah, you go back and you, you do some more theatre. Um, it wasn't that I, I didn't ever want to, to move away from theatre anyway, but... Um, we just felt that there was a, a, a kind of downturn here and we, we just felt, you know, our kids were still young enough that we could move. Um, they uh, weren't, they were just, one of them had just started uh, primary school. So we felt, myself and my wife, Laura, who's uh, a composer and a musician and an actress, uh, we'd had a really, really good time in Dublin. Really, really busy, you know, the best years of our lives, definitely. And... Uh, we had uh, she had done loads of work for all the theatre companies, the Abbey and and Rough Magic and all as well. So we felt we'd kind of you know had, had a great time here, and it was time to try something else. So we um, can't, I won't say foolishly, but we we moved to London with very little in place, to be honest. Yeah, right. Yeah. I remember we were sitting in in the car at the um, the uh, boat, you know, in, in um, uh, Dublin Port, and this woman was doing a survey. And she came up with her clipboard and I rolled down the window. <clears throat> and we'd left our house for sale and everything here because, you know, the house prices at the time were huge. And yeah. we thought, we'll just go leave the house on the market. And, and this woman came up to us and said, um, uh, oh, just want just a quick survey. Um, which country do you live in? And me and Laura went, um, mm, and she went, <laughs> OK, I'll skip that one. And she said, where do your children go to school? Um, oh. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I'll skip that one as well. So there's a list of questions that were all about where you're from, what you do, and and even our jobs. Like, what do you do for a living? What you know? Uh, what's your annual salary? Even you know that kind of stuff. And we were going. Mm, I don't think we answered one question properly, and uh, we kind of rolled the window up after she left and went, "What the hell are we doing?" But um, anyway, we we went off to London and uh, settled in. It takes takes a while to settle in in London. It's such a huge, huge place. I mean, there's 12 million people in London. It's massive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and, and ergo, the, the, the theatre community is huge. The amount of actors in London is just phenomenal. Uh, and, and I suppose, unlike Dublin, you have actors all over the world coming to London to make it there. Yeah. You know, you don't have that in Dublin where you've got this influx of people from all over the world, you know, coming to Dublin to make it as an actor. Um, so you're, you're, yeah, you're leaving the relative kind of safety and comfort of the Dublin theatre scene to, to go to London and uh, feel kind of like an outsider. And of course, you know, in Dublin you're an actor, in London you're an Irish actor. And that's, right. you know, having said that, they do a lot of Irish plays over there. You know, I was in two big Irish shows last, last year, Beauty Queen of Lenan at the Young Vic and uh, Playboy of the Western World at the Old Vic, you know, it's like almost a year's work out of two Irish plays. So can't complain because they do a lot of Irish stuff over there. 
And those two shows, by all accounts, seemed to go ridiculously well for you. They did, yeah, yeah. Um, but Beauty Queen is, oh God, I mean, it's it's a modern classic, isn't it? It's just so well written. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Martin's. Um, it's so well written. It's such a well made play. I still, I, I actually still think it's his best play, um, uh, and I think it was his first play. But uh, yeah, it's such good fun for an actor to to do McDonough. You know, it really is. And uh, and I suppose it's about ten years since there was a big production of it uh, in in either um, the UK or Ireland. So it was good timing. And yeah. there was a new generation of people waiting to see, you know, ready to see and ready to take on McDonough. And, uh, yeah, the reaction was stunning, absolutely stunning. You know. And then what about doing those two shows back to back? How complementary are they? I, I mean, are they almost companion pieces? I mean, <laughs> Well, there's, uh, yeah, there could be. I mean, I, I, yeah, I was doing the show in the Young Vic at night and rehearsing in the Old Vic you know, which is they're both on the same street, luckily enough, in London. And um, uh, yeah, so you know, you know, Martin McDonough borrows a lot from from Sing, and uh, I think there's even a couple of lines. Yeah, the Lonesome West actually is a line that I had as Peggy's dad in in uh, Playboy, and of course that's the title of one of McDonough's um, plays, uh, part of the trilogy. And uh, so, yeah, he does borrow a lot from them. And, and that kind of madness, you know, as well, that yeah. kind of uh, West of Ireland madness that is in um, Playboy, it's a direct steal, really, you know. Um, and I don't think Martin would be, you know, upset as anyone saying that as well. He, he, he knows what he borrowed and who he borrowed it from, and, but he put it together in a very unique and uh, modern way. Um, but, yeah, they, yeah, they're both great kind of Irish plays, if you like, one ancient Irish play that has been tried and tested for years and years and years and then this this very modern Irish play which uh, deals with some of the same things um, but yeah good, really good fun doing both at the same time Was there a lot of hype around um, the, that production of Playboy because it seems that obviously with our friend Mr Sheehan and the wonderful Ruth Negga my mate yeah. in it as well it seems like there was kind of it seems like they felt like there was a bit of hype around it Oh there was yeah 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 I mean I, like both uh, Ruth and um, Robbie were big news in London at the time, yeah. and in fact, like every night, you know, the the, the old Vic, I think, uh, holds about a uh, thousand people. Um, but every night, the uh, first three or four rows were full of teenage girls just looking at Robbie. You know, every like yeah, a Westlife gig. Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> and you know, they were on their phones and stuff. You know, if Robbie wasn't on stage, so wow. they had no interest in the play at all. And I'd love to have get you know got to talk to them afterwards, but. Uh, they somehow didn't want to see me after the after the play, but um, they were outside, you know, at the stage door waiting on Robbie to come out, you know. And if Robbie wasn't on stage, then they were on their phones texting and Facebooking and stuff. Um, they always tried to film secretly a little bit, right, okay. of it, you know, um, and uh, always got caught. Uh, but uh, no, they both dealt dealt with it really well. And of course, Ruth um, had just played Shirley Bassey yes. in that uh, documentary as well, um, and got amazing reviews for that. And she she uh, was in. Um, the same program that Robbie was in, which, uh, what was that called? <laughs> yes, this is where I'm showing myself up. Is I, it I think we could cut skins? this bit out. No, that's no, not, not skins. skins. No, it's uh, probably, oh no. We need to God, watch more TV. See. Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't even know, I didn't know who Robbie was. It, I didn't watch this program that, that he was in. So on the first day of rehearsals, by process of elimination, I worked out he was Robbie and that he was the playboy. Um, and, uh, and actually, I went home that night and I thought, I've got to watch this programme that he's in. And I switched it on. And lo and behold, Ruth was in the same episode. Misfits. 
That misfits, that's it, exactly. Done. Yes, yeah, well done. Um, so yeah, I turned it on and went, all oh, right, that's, that's the program. And that's why they're all, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, Ruth was in it as well. So yeah, a lot of hype. And of course we had Neve Cusack playing the Widow Quinn and uh, and it was in the old Vic, which is Kevin Spacey's theatre um, just in Waterloo there, which is now a West End theatre right. for all intents and purposes, you know. Um, it's not actually in the West End, but it is regarded as a West End theatre. But a lovely time, and you get treated very well over there, I have to say. You know, the the, the treatment of the, the, the company throughout the entire run was superb, right. you know, really looked after very well. And so that whole experience of being, as you say, an Irish actor in London, is it... Is it tougher? Are there more opportunities over there? Is it, I mean, in the way that there's probably more work in London than there is here, but then is it all proportional? Are there more actors, like you say, coming from all over the world? But does it work out roughly the same? Um, well, I, it's hard to know. I mean, I, you know, I haven't, we haven't obviously completely broken ties with Dublin. We can't, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, if, as an Irish actor, you, you know, it's kind of easier to live in London and have Dublin uh, as more is more accessible to you. But London really isn't that accessible to you if you live in Dublin. I think you've got to work a lot harder uh, to 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 be trying to get into a show in London if you live in Dublin. Um, so if you want to balance the two places, I think you have to be in London really to do that. Um, and yes, since we've moved there, I've come back here to do. Uh, I think four or five different jobs right, since okay. then. So yeah, my my year uh, is never full of just London-based work. Work, you know, it's it's uh, it's the two places, you know. And if that's the way it's going to be, that's grand. I'm delighted to come back. Yeah, here, is that know. is that the perfect balance? Would you like to do one or two shows here a year? Would you like to be able to keep going back and forth between the two? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, obviously, I want to try and gain more of a standing in in London. Um, because uh, it takes a long time to establish yourself there, and you know, last year was great and everything, but uh, you know, it uh, y- yeah, I would, I, I, I'd like you know, essentially, to be able to do what one one really good show in Dublin every year, and the rest of the year, you know, get some TV. You need to get TV work in London, basically, you know, and film work. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd ever say I don't want to come back to Dublin to do anything, you know. Well, speaking about coming back to Dublin to do a show, you mentioned earlier on that you became a fan of uh, Tom Murphy in your early days, and here you are back to work with an exceptional cast, and me, <laughs> uh, on Tom Murphy's The House. How are you yeah. feeling about it? Oh, I'm delighted, absolutely delighted. I had no qualms at all when, when the offer came in. I just thought, absolutely, yeah, there's no, no, no way. I, I read through it quickly because I hadn't seen it the first time, um, which is, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. yeah. So it was on while we were here, before we left, but I don't know how I missed it. But uh, I wasn't uh, really very aware of the play at all. But, you know, he's a bit like, uh, for me, you know, he can't, as a Donegal man, obviously, I'm a mad Freel fan, but I'm also, you know, mad Murphy fan as well. And and with both of them, those writers, you know, you kind of think, oh, I, I know I've read this and I've read that and I've been in this and that. And you've got your favourite. Yeah. And... And then you read another one that you haven't read, or you, you you get cast in one. You go, oh, actually, that is just superb as well, you know. So the house for me is one of those for for, for my Murphy list. Um, I had I was I've always been full of ad, admiration for him and thought he was an amazing writer, uh, and really actor friendly, though tough as well. You know, it's you, you really have to know what you're doing with with Murphy. Um, but if I think if you obey his kind of uh, punctuation and on all of that and his intention in the script, then then it's it, it's, uh, it comes quite naturally, but uh, yeah, the house, I it didn't figure really in in, in my mind as one of uh, his 
best plays, but it absolutely is. It's brilliant, really, really great, with a great twist in it and beautifully drawn characters. And, of course, the same old themes of emigration and loneliness and longingness. And, yeah. You know, really, um, it's, uh, it's, it's stunning, really. And, and, and I did a production of um, uh, Whistle in the Dark in the Royal Exchange in Manchester uh, just before... It was kind of like a precursor to us moving to England. Uh, so I used it to get an English agent and all that. So I went over to do that. And, of course, that's the Irish family living in Coventry uh, at, in, during the 1950s, early 60s, I think. And, uh, and of course, in this I'm playing Peter, who, who lives in Birmingham, stone's throw from Coventry, um, uh, and is back for his, you know, two-week drinking yeah. binge during the summer. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, I love Tom Murphy's work. I think he's absolutely stunning. Uh, no, it's great. I mean, I have to say, as I said on the podcast before, before I even had any indication that I'd be involved in this show, I was looking at that cast list going, that is the best Irish cast assembled <laughs> anywhere in long and many yeah, today. Us. I can't wait to go and see it. And now here I am, mercifully, well, to, well, to we're, be in it. We're very glad that you are in it. <laughs> it's, uh, it is one of those things, though, because I, I logged on as well. I had a quick look and I saw a few, you know, a few names. I thought, oh, so they're all my friends. Like, they're all people um, that I, I've known for a long time. I've worked yeah. with many times before as well. And I thought, oh, that's a lovely play to do and a lovely cast and I couldn't not do this job. I think it's all going to be very exciting. If people want to stay in touch with you and what you're up to, can they get you on Facebook, Twitter, any of those kind of places? Uh, as I said earlier, I'm a complete Luddite. <laughs> uh, I am still struggling with podcast. Right, okay. But um, uh, yes, I am on Facebook. I log on uh, very rarely. Um, okay. But um, yes, I am on Facebook. I don't... Other than that, just ring the agent. Exactly, yes. yeah. yeah. Great stuff. I won't embarrass myself and give out the number. But, uh... <laughs> but it happens to me, though. Uh, Frank, so, thanks so much. That's absolutely brilliant. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. So there you have it, the great Frank Laverty, a guy I'm such a big fan of, and uh, it is still genuinely one of my greatest career regrets that I never got to appear alongside him in On Home Ground. What a fantastic piece of TV that was. But he's just such a great guy. He's doing such a, an amazing amount of work and such great quality work over the last while. He's uh, he's just an absolute hero of mine. I love him to bits. Uh, an absolute pleasure to sit down with him, and as I hope you can tell from that interview, just such an absolute gent and a nice guy to be around. He's absolutely brilliant, and uh, and he's going to be phenomenal in this show. I'm, I'm really looking forward to people getting in to get a chance to see it like I keep saying to everyone this cast is ridiculous it's just an amazing collection of fabulous Irish actors and uh, hopefully we can we can make it all come together so look that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of what is going on around the country at the moment obviously at the Abbey my current employer so I have to mention them uh, the brilliant Alice in Thunderland is uh, is going through their last few performances you haven't many chances to go and catch that so if you've been kind of putting it off going oh yeah I'll definitely get to see that at some point now is the time to go and do it go and book your tickets for that it is a remarkable Remarkable evening at the theatre. Um, Greener is on at the Gaiety with the brilliant Declan Conlon and Lorcan Cranich, who are also on The House with us. That, of course, is also starring Pauline McGlynn and Deirdre O'Kane. Um, at Project, Rough Magic's production of The Housekeeper by the brilliant Morna Regan is on there. And, of course, that's starring the amazing Cathy Belton. It's got Ingrid Craigie and Robert O'Mahony there as well. You know, just phenomenal actors. That's really, really great writing with brilliant performers and an exceptional director. That's definitely going to be a great night out. Um, the Fever, directed by Connor Hanratty and starring Annie Gill is at the Players Theatre in Trinity and I've been hearing great things about that. Um, the Viking Theatre at the Sheds has Unholy Trinity and that will be followed next week by Hollywood Valhalla, that great production that has got such an amazing response with the brilliant Stuart Roach. Um, the Gate Theatre has My Cousin Rachel, which is also starring Bosco Hogan, who's with us on uh, The House as well. Um, the New Theatre still has that production of Men Are From Stony Batter, Women Are From Fibsborough, from Malin Productions and that will be followed by Company D who are coming back with their production of 
David Mamet's Oleana. Um, they're taking it back and then taking it on, I think, a national tour after that. That seems to have gone ridiculously well for them. Um, the International Dublin Gay Theatre Festival is also about to kick off. Now, obviously, there are far too many shows there to mention individually, but you can get all the information on those shows at gaytheatre.ie. What a great URL that is. Um, Smock Alley has Wither on at the moment, and Beulay's Ca- Cafe Theatre, I should say, has that production of A Galway Girl with, um, with the lovely Claire Barrett and Joe Hanley, which is just opened, uh, which I've been hearing also lots of great things about. As we look around the country, uh, down in Cork, the Everyman Palace has 1981. Des Kyo is on the road at the moment, touring um, his production of The Love Hungry Farmer by John B. Keane. And Des is just such an amazing actor and such an amazing character. That's definitely going to be well worth checking out if you get a chance. Um, Fishamble have Sonia Kelly's show in a bag show, The Wheelchair on My Face, on the road at the moment. And they also have Pat Kinnevan's Silent, which is about to go into the Abbey uh, in the coming weeks. You can check out information on both those shows at fishamble.com. Also important to point out that the Zebby Awards ceremony for uh, for scriptwriting will be happening on Thursday the 10th of May at the Sugar Club here in Dublin Doors at 7.30 and then opening at 8. Um, tickets are €15 Euro for IPSG members and are €25 Euro for non-members. That looks like it'll be an amazing night. There's some really great nominees uh, up there. And also the Bialtina Festival is kicking off uh, in the next coming days. And there are two amazing touring productions which will be covering a fair amount of the country. So if you're outside of Dublin and you're looking for some great work, these will be worth checking out. Uh, the two productions are Kin and Translunar Paradise, which will be touring extensively uh, over the next little while. Um, that's part of the Bialtina Festival. Best place to get information on all the venues that they'll be touring to is bialtina.com. So that's us. That is episode 26, the six-month anniversary in the books. We will, of course, be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers. This has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. For Angus O'Mcanally, I'm Angus O'Mcanally. We'll see you next week. <laughs>